0: That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com.
1: It's brand new season two.
2: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right.
3: Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com.
4: Hey
0: there, everybody. Welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer at HowStuffWorks, and I love all things tech. And today is another Friday classic episode of Tech Stuff. And I alluded to this in an earlier episode that published this week. This is an episode that originally published on May 9th, 2013. It is titled, What About Microsoft Bob? And in this episode, Lauren Vogelbaum and I go and revisit a beloved, enormous trash fire of a piece of software called Microsoft Bob. It was an attempt at making a graphic user interface for the common person, something that anyone could grasp. And it was about as big a misstep as you can imagine. So enjoy this classic episode. We're going to tackle Bob and we're going to wrestle him to the ground and probably give him noogies. Uh, But then so did the rest of the world. Yeah. If you don't know what Bob is, don't feel badly about it. It was one of the biggest flops in Microsoft history
5: I think one of the biggest flops in kind of history period time did this list of the 50 worst inventions ever right time magazine Time magazine yeah. yeah back in back in 2010 and Bob was on there I mean along with like tanning beds and hydrogen blimps
0: yeah hydrogen blimps not such a great thing Microsoft Bob possibly worse no, has, has killed killed fewer people killed fewer people but people uh, dreams died that day when microsoft bob came out yes um, so th- this
5: was an interface for windows 3.1 and then later 95 when 95 came out
0: yeah it was it was also for Windows NT, so here's the thing, here's the thing. We're, we're talking about an era where the personal computer is starting to get some serious traction, but it still is not in most homes. In fact, Microsoft, when they were talking about designing Bob and, and the launch of Bob, they were predicting that by, I think it was 97, that PCs would be in 46% of households.
5: And, and and this was a this was a 46% in the incredible future.
0: Right, the idea being that 46% is a really big number that Microsoft, it's crazy to think that that many people would have computers. Well, the, the problem that Microsoft had identified as something that they needed to solve with brute force is that uh, that someone who is unfamiliar with computers might find the operation of such a device to be intimidating and difficult, and the learning curve might be too too steep for your average person who was not already familiar with computers, and
5: certainly before Windows three point one came out, when it was just DOS on on Microsoft. Don't micro-
0: say just DOS. Goodness, I love my gracious! That operating no, no,
5: system. no. I'm I'm simply saying that it was perhaps not the most friendly thing to greet a person just just lines of code on a screen.
0: I didn't need a friend. I needed an operating system. And that's what DOS gave me.
5: And that is kind of that is kind of what uh, what Macintosh was doing at the time. That's and, true. and and Apple was was kind of kicking a lot of butt in that arena because they were giving people something more friendly, more user friendly, and a little bit more intuitive. Right. And keep in mind,
0: of course, Apple had a big jump on other computers because the Apple II was a very popular personal computer among mostly hobbyists and people who were interested in computers. Because again, that was that was in the line command days where you had to type stuff in. Nineteen eighty four is when when Apple introduced the Macintosh and the graphics user interface, Apple, of course, was not the the company to invent the graphics user interface, but they were the first ones to really successfully uh, implement it in a personal computer platform, uh, and people liked it. It was one of those things where things just made more sense. It was it was it was a little more intuitive than having to type and memorize all these different commands that you would type in to just get your computer to do stuff. Well, uh, Microsoft wanted to kind of um, uh, create created its own graphic user, user interface, and that was the genesis of the Windows program. But even then, they thought, there's got to be a way of making this simpler for the average person. Now, to really look at the development of Bob, you have to go back a few years before Bob was a thing. And so back in 1991, Microsoft launched a program called Microsoft Publisher. It's a desktop publishing program, and it was the first program from Microsoft that included wizards. Now wizards are not, you know, it's not Harry Potter coming out and waving a, a wand saying uh, "Regardum Leviosa" no. or "Alohomora" or uh, "Avada Kedavra." It's instead a little, uh, a little. Help pop up. Pop up. Yeah, that's supposed to guide you through a complicated process step by step. So, uh, this was a big help for someone who maybe was not familiar with this particular process, uh, or very rarely used it and, uh, and could just follow along on the directions as opposed to having to thumb through a 400 page manual. Oh,
5: right. And, and, and Microsoft Publisher was, was pretty popular. It was designed by Karen Fries and Barry Lynette.
0: Yeah, and Karen Fries is going to become important in a little bit.
5: And, uh, and right. When, when they were, you know, they'd finished with Publisher. It was out in the world. It was doing great. And they were like, what else can we do? What is our next project? We want to keep helping noobs. I'm not sure if noobs was a term.
0: Yeah, no, but that's that's exactly, you know, we're going to translate it for the kids of today or really the kids of about six, seven years ago. But anyway, yes, uh, uh, they wanted to continue to develop uh, software that would help people who otherwise would be unfamiliar and maybe intimidated by software. So that's when they started to look into the possibility of developing. Uh, a, a full graphics user interface designed with these noobs in mind. Uh, originally they were calling it Data Wizard and then that eventually had the code name Utopia. But by the time it was finally going to launch, it had of course changed to Microsoft Bob. Uh, it was designed as an alternative interface, as as Lauren said earlier, for Windows 3.1, 95, and even Windows NT. Uh, it supported programs designed for Bob. So it supported its own programs that were designed for that operating system or rather that user interface uh, it also supported Windows programs and it supported DOS programs so uh, the idea was that this would be able to support anything that a person would want to run on a PC so um,
5: but but you know through, through this filter that would allow people who are unfamiliar with computers to to set everything up the way they would want it you know with with minimum complication
0: right so uh, so Karen Fries became the the project lead for this particular project. Uh, the lead developer was a guy named Gabe Newell. Do you recognize that name? Gabe Newell, Newell was one of the he? co-founders of Valve. Oh, right. Yeah, so Gabe Newell also, uh, someone who in his post-Microsoft years, which are the last like two and a half decades, uh, has been, um, well, I guess I should say the last two decades has been more than a little critical of his old company. Uh, he's, he's definitely leveled some pretty hefty criticisms against some major Microsoft releases, but he worked on, uh, on Microsoft Bob. Maybe that's what kind of left a certain, uh, uh, bad taste in his mouth or something. I can see that. Uh, and the, the person at Microsoft, who was kind of overseeing the whole thing, who was guiding it, was, uh, uh, well, when she first started working on the project, her name was Melinda French.
5: But then, kind of in the middle of it, she became Melinda Gates.
0: Yes, so Bill Gates' wife, mm-hmm. Melinda, was the head of the whole... Marketing marketing side but right. also you know she was essentially kind of like the face she of was the it, cheerleader of yeah. it certainly yeah which which led some people to suggest perhaps snarkily or maybe not even perhaps snarkily no, just definitely snarkily, snarkily that the reason why Bob went as far as it did was because of who was behind it as opposed to the merits of the the operating system but let's be fair the idea behind Bob was solid it was a solid idea of let's create something that is very accessible and intuitive and comforting and and they they tried to use some really hard data to support their design decisions. They actually uh, contacted a couple of professors from Stanford to act as project consultants, uh, Clifford Nass and Byron Reeves, and they their their area of specialty was figuring out, well, how, how do people communicate? How do they access information? How do they process information? And their point of view is that the more natural you can make an interaction, the more readily someone will understand it and adapt. And want to interact with it. Exactly. So you have to create an environment that it just it, it feels natural and makes sense. Now, that's obviously a very uh, a very clear uh, motivation i mean we we've seen that in products since 1995 i think the ipad is a great example of that it was a design where uh, it's very intuitive to use. You give an iPad to a kid, that kid masters the iPad in no time flat without ever having to ask how something works. Mm-hmm.
5: They, yeah, they, they, they've done those, those great studies in, in Africa with kids who can't even read uh, have, have never been exposed to anything like this before, and they just take off with it.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, that that's sort of the idea here. They wanted to design something that had that same sort of, approach and appeal so that, uh, they could help people who otherwise wouldn't be intimidated by computers. So on January 7th, 1995, Bill Gates, uh, took the stage at CES and unveiled Bob. He showed off also a future project that was Bob related called PD, which was a CGI parrot that could respond to verbal requests. And then on March 31st, 1995, they released Microsoft Bob. Uh The full retail price, if you were buying the full thing, was $129.95, but it mostly sold at around $99, uh, which is still pretty expensive software. Yeah,
5: yeah. And by, by comparison today, due to inflation, that, that would be worth about $140, yeah, so um, whereas Windows 8 costs uh, about 90 on the market. Yeah,
0: yeah. So it definitely was a little expensive. It said on the box that it did not come with a manual, but it came with a manual. Or at least it was called Bob's Magazine, so it was trying to be packaged not as a manual, but it was a 29-page list of instructions. And uh, did you hear about Microsoft Press and the book that they published?
5: I, I did not. What happened? They what happened published a book called At Home
0: with Bob. At Home with Bob? Which was a companion guide, and it was 210 pages
5: long. Goodness my gracious, that's this, a lot of yeah. guide for something that doesn't need a guide at all. <laughs>
0: yeah, that, that's... When you don't need a guide, you go wholeheartedly, don't you, Microsoft? Uh, I tease them. I, I certainly couldn't build an, uh, a graphics user interface at all. So uh, let's talk about what Bob was Really, like well, what, what? How? 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 What kind of operating or user interface was it?
5: I'll just, oh, just just for perspective, real quick. Um, uh, Bob was was dead in the water by early 1996 yeah. to give you an idea of how well this went.
0: Yeah, Microsoft pulled the plug in '96, so, so it went it went less than a full year before Microsoft said, "All right, this is this is not going to work," and we'll get into why they made that decision. And some people might even argue that it was kind of a, a like the the deck was stacked against them that it, that Bob was not as, as terrible awful, as it
5: had, was given credit for I, being.
0: I yeah. I disagree for one major reason, but I'll I'll get into that in the in a little bit later in the podcast. So so here we have the idea. The whole idea is let's create a graphics user interface that's very relatable and easy to use and and intuitive. How did Microsoft go about it? What was Bob?
5: Um, Bob was a, it was a house. Yeah. It was, it was you, you enter Bob's house and in Bob's house, there are visual representations of everything that you would hypothetically want to do with your computer.
0: Exactly. So, like, like
5: there's, a, there's a there's a living room that you're looking into.
0: Right. So, in, so instead of a desktop where you have icons that you click on, mm-hmm. you're looking into a, a clip art living room.
5: Vector <laughs> graphics. Yes. Two hundred and fifty six colors. Super fancy. Uh,
0: yeah. If you, if you don't if you've never seen pictures. It's will We'll, we'll like. link them. It's spectacular. Right. Anyone who's used uh, any of the old Microsoft Office products that had lots and lots of clip art in them, and you've looked through those clip arts and you've thought, wow, that's what Bob was made up of.
5: And there was a lot of animation involved. Um, yeah. every, everything was kind of cutesy. Yes,
0: yeah, so everything was very cartoonish, and you had a personal assistant.
5: A to, series of personal assistants. Yeah, the,
0: the, the one that it, it came... the. The standard one, the the one that would just be there as soon as you started up, was Rover Retriever. Uh, the personal assistants would later come into play in versions of Microsoft Office, like Microsoft Office ninety seven. We'll get into that too. Right. So um, anyway, your that your guide when you first start off is Rover Retriever. You could change him later, and I, I think that'll be fun to talk about when we get into the features. I've got a whole Our,
5: list. It's exciting. Yeah, I got I I
0: got a couple things I want to say about some of those. Those guys, but uh, before we do that, I want to I want to talk about what it was like to first enter to just the log Bob house. in. Yeah. Frank. So so I'm just gonna I'm gonna paint you a picture with words. So you you activate Microsoft Bob. You know you've installed it on your computer, assuming your computer could run it. We'll get into that too. And when it first starts, you are greeted by the sight of a big red door, and in the center of that big red door is a gold door knocker. And that door knocker says Microsoft Bob on it. So you have to click on the knocker, which then makes the knocker knock on the door. And you didn't have to have a sound card with Bob, but it was recommended because there were Many noises. Assist- yeah. So
5: many noises.
0: Including ones that your personal assistant would occasionally make at you. But uh, you would knock on the door, and Rover Retriever shows up and says, uh, uh, Hey, I see you're trying to break into my house. Actually, he says, yeah, I know you're coming in uh, uh click on who you are, and a little list pops up. Now, on your first visit, there's no one... You you can't select a name because you haven't gone in and registered one yet. So the only choice that's there is Guest. So Guest was there so that you could let a friend log in without having to create a full account and use your computer to do whatever. The same way
5: that Windows works today. Right.
0: So you could click Guest. But if you did click Guest, uh, then you would get uh, uh, another message from Rover, who'd say... You sure you don't want to go ahead and create a profile? <laughs> well, I didn't really see that option earlier, but sure, why not? Let's 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 make a profile. Uh, so Rover would then ask if you are new to the home or if you had once been on the list but now can no longer find your name on the list. Because one of the things you can do is add and remove people, or really, you can remove people from the list once you've joined it. Uh, So, this would be something like, let's say that, you know, you've kicked your no good uh, son out of the house because he's 34 and really he needs to go and make his own way in the world now. I'm just using this as a hypothetical. I don't have a kid. And if I had a kid who was 34, I have a lot of explaining to do. Anyway, so you kicked your 34-year-old son out of the house, and you've changed it. You've removed him from Microsoft Bob. So if he does come back, he's not going to be able to use the computer. That would be the reason for that, right? So you would have to answer that question, like, are you new or were you essentially kicked off? <laughs> and So let's say that you're new. You know, This is your first time using Bob. Yeah. You haven't alienated yourself from your friends and family yet. So you click on uh, New. Then it asks you to enter in your first name, your preferred name, your last name, your hometown, your birthday, and your gender, which you could set to not telling. But That's every nice. yeah, every single field required. You gotta fill and, them out.
5: And, and th- this will come back later because these little these little cartoon guides needed to know things about you so that they could talk to you right about stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah, they did. So you fill this part out. Now you're prompted to create a password for your account. And one of the funny things I thought about this was that it actually explains to you what the asterisks are as you type in your password. You know how the password field starts filling up with asterisks? Because if it showed you in plain text what the password was... That wouldn't be very secure. Yeah, someone staying behind you could see it. And so it actually explains that concept. But again... Bob's designed for people who are brand new to computers. Right. No,
5: no. no. I, I I can see someone. Um. You know, for for example, my my grandmother plays a lot of solitaire, but is mostly confused about other things on computers. That could be useful.
0: Right. So so yeah. If you're sitting there thinking, wait, I didn't hit the asterisk button. Why is that popping up? It would actually explain it. To me, it sounds silly simply because I've been using computers for so long. It it's hard for me to even imagine that. But then again, I was not the target market for Bob. Uh. I'm not sure who was. So then after that point, after you created it, you had to type in your password a second time. Uh, and if you mistyped the password the second time, you would get a prompt telling you that it did not match the first password and you had to try again. That's going to become really important in a little while. So next you would then, uh, once you get through the password creation process, you would enter in your actual address and time zone. So not just your hometown, your full address. And again, it's required. So you had to put the whole thing in there and the time zone that you are in. Then you would have to create at least one private room. So remember, Bob is a house. Most of those house, uh, rooms in that house are public when it starts off, which means that anyone who joins on who to use the, that your computer, computer through Bob. can access those public rooms. But if you wanted to create a private room where only your stuff would be, like you know programs that you only want to have access to, you could do that. Um, so if uh, if you wanted to access a private room, you would have to be logged in under that ID. So uh, Lauren would not be able to go into my room because of that, except we'll talk about how she totally could do that pretty soon. And then finally, the last step, uh, would be that you would, uh, it would ask you if it wanted to import other programs besides the Bob programs that came standard with Microsoft Bob. So it'd ask if you wanted to import, uh, DOS and Windows programs, uh, that step is absolutely necessary if you had completely lost your mind and decided to use Bob as your graphics user interface for everything and say, I'm not using any other I- interface at all, just Bob. You would need to be able to import those other programs. So that's the, that's the process of creating your Bob account. We're gonna talk about the 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 different features of Bob, the software that came with it, some of these uh, some of these assistants.
5: Everything once that door opens.
0: And uh, and I'll start off with the big security flaw. Right after we take a short break. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable, high speed data Wi Fi hotspot with AT and T in car Wi Fi.
4: As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner.
1: Jean, Eugene Fodor.
5: Jean was it?
4: Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you ride the books, Jean, and Fodor
0: on the business. I understand now.
4: Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the
0: iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, back to Bob. So, you know, I mentioned that there was a big security flaw. So, Lauren, um, let's say that you... you have got uh, uh, Microsoft got a, Bob.
5: Okay, I've got a profile on there. i a profile entered my password.
0: You've created a profile. You've created a password. Whenever you need to log in, you have to put your password in. And you have uh, one of the one of the pieces of software, and we'll talk more about them in a minute. But one of the pieces of software there is, is Bob is Bob's checkbook. The idea is a financial software so that you can you know manage your home finances. Mm-hmm. So presumably there could be some pretty uh, pretty private information in that. And let's say you've you've thought of that, and you've actually put that particular program in your private room. private room. So yeah, it's not in a public room, so I'm not going to just happen across it. Just stumble through it. Right. Mm -hmm. If it were in a public room, that would be bad. Um, But you've created your password and everything, and then I think, huh, I really want to learn what Lauren's bank account number is. So I try and log in as Lauren. When you try and log in, uh, and you don't have the right password, after three attempts it says... Uh, I, you know, that's not the right password. Do you want to reset your password? And you say yes. Instead of it then taking you to like sending an email or linking you somehow, uh, there's, because it's looking for noobs, it's saying, well, I guess I'll just let you reset your password right now. So I could then reset Lauren's password. So not only would I have access to her account, I, I would, would lock her out.
5: have access to my account anymore. Wow, that's... Until um... you tried
0: to enter the password three times, and then you could reset it yourself. And so it essentially just become the two of us resetting that password over and over and over again until you gave up and said, I do not want this on my computer. Huge, huge security flaw. Nothing is private.
5: Wow, yeah, that's... Uh... That's what the I, I had not heard about that part mm-hmm. of it, and that is very special.
0: And I, I wouldn't even need to have an account. I mean, all I would need is access to your computer, because right. just going in as a guest, I could do that. Wow. And, uh, yeah, so there was no such thing as privacy or security with Bob. It had this just ridiculously massive vulnerability. Uh, I mean, you might as well not even have a password system at that point, because if all it takes is three failed logins and then you can reset the password, that's... That's like having no password at all. Yeah. Uh, same sort of problems existed with uh, removing people from a list. So let's say that um, let's let's have a, an interesting hypothetical situation here. Let's say that for some reason how stuff works decides to switch completely over to Microsoft Bob. Okay. And we all have a shared environment.
5: That's, so, that sounds like the worst thing yeah, ever. on we'll, the, Okay, yeah, but sure. We'll,
0: and we'll talk about more reasons why that's worse in a second. <laughs> but all right, so we have a shared environment. One of the things anyone can do, whether they are logged in to Microsoft Bob or not, is remove someone from that list. So I could go in and say, Josh, creepy hands Clark, you do not get access to the computer anymore. Delete. Josh, even as a guest, could say, guess what, Jonathan, neither can you. Delete. Or, guess what, Jonathan, I'm going to log in as you. Password, 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 reset. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Wow, yeah. And, um, And part of the supposed appeal of Bob was that you could uh, change the decor of any room, right? You can make a room look the way you wanted based upon the clip art that you had available. Uh, They had windows in these rooms. So you could change the... The
5: scenery outside. Yeah,
0: you could make it like a space or a a field. a pretty
5: sunset. Yeah.
0: Again, keep in mind, this is all clip art-based stuff. But... That meant that anyone else could do the same thing, especially, especially in the public rooms. So public rooms, anyone could go in there, move stuff around, change the, the layout. Uh, delete things, put new things in, which means that if Lauren logs in and she says, oh, this doesn't make any sense, I'm going to rearrange everything so that it makes sense to, to the way to my me. brain works, mm-hmm. and she lays that out, and then I log in, I'm like, oh, this doesn't make any sense, and I change it all around so it makes sense to me, Lauren logs back in, it's changed completely from the last time she used it. And it's going, every time someone uses it and changes it, it's going to be affected. Now, in the example I'm using, I'm suggesting that somehow we all have a networked uh, user interface that is as persistent across all our computers. In reality, we're talking about one machine, one sure. one PC in a home. Right. But if it's a family PC and everyone logs into it, then the kids could sit there and say, like, I don't like that chair. Delete. And uh, same thing for the programs. The programs would be represented by various objects.
5: Uh, right, right. Either um, the, the main ones were by objects in the room and anything that you added in from Windows or DOS or etc. would be a little file box with an icon on the front of it.
0: Right. So if you wanted to to, to activate any of those uh, those main programs you would have to click on the icon but you could actually change the size of the icon uh, so if you're if you thought you know that checkbook needs to be three times the size that it currently is you could totally do that. So uh, it was chaos. You know, if you had more than one user using that computer, there was no guarantee that your experience was going to be remotely similar from one instance to the next. So that was a big issue as well. Um, that's,
5: also, that's also less intuitive. I mean, if, you, if you're designing this for someone who really doesn't know what they're doing, I can't imagine that that would be helpful. Yeah.
0: And uh, and once you had that that profile created and you're inside the home of microsoft bob you had the opportunity to take the home tour the home tour did not leave the room you were in so whatever room you were in you would stay in there for the home tour and it would get go through about 16 prompts of information uh so we had someone on facebook ask us a question specifically saying is this where clippy came from yes and no the assistance that you could get in Bob were acting very much in the same way that Clippy on Microsoft Office 97 and Word would perform. You know, the, like, mm-hmm. I see you're trying to write a resume. Would you like some help? Right. Uh, same sort of thing was in Bob. In fact, that was one of the few things to carry over into other Microsoft products.
5: Yeah, also the, the dog from the Windows XP. Yeah. Search function. Was, was, was Rover. Was basically Rover. Rover
0: Retriever, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, w- when we talk about some of the other personal assistants, you'll recognize that at least one of them did make it into Microsoft Office. Uh, but Clippy was not in Bob, uh, No. but, he, Clippy, in his own little way, was hated just as much as Bob was. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you could uh, – and and you would have to go from room to room inside Bob in order to, to access all the different programs. And uh, that was not always the most intuitive thing to do, which was unfortunate considering that the whole purpose of Bob was to make using computers even easier. Um, and so, yeah, you could just uh, sit there and change out clip art to your heart's content. So I guess we can talk a little bit about um, – about the actual requirements the software and and sort of a little bit more about the navigation once you're in Bob. Um I'm still reeling over the fact that essentially everyone had administrative rights on Bob no matter what whether they were logged in or not. That's kind of crazy.
5: Right. Okay. So so the so the programs that came native to Bob yeah. included a uh, a household manager. Mm-hmm. Um which was um uh, kind kind of kind of life tips and home organizational kind of things like if you needed a to do list or something like that I think that that was part of that function.
0: Yeah, you could also do that out of the calendar as well.
5: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it it did have a note on it that uh, the, the textual information may not be accurate or complete and is not intended to replace consultation with a professional. Yeah, which really entertains me because I'm like, yeah, we're just we just wrote some stuff uh, anyway.
0: There was the Bob letter writer. Yes. Which would help you write letter. I see you're trying to write a letter, and that was very much like Clippy, to mm-hmm. the point where you could tell Bob what sort of letter you were writing and to what sort of person you were writing, and it would fill auto out. Autofill? It would autofill out an entire letter.
5: That's so might, awful. might and be
0: not at all related to what you yeah. wanted to say. Um, I almost only want to communicate in those now, just to see how how far I could get using only Bob-created letters uh, and and just see if I could communicate my point across through autofill messages. So, Lauren, you've got something to look forward to in the upcoming week.
5: That's thank you, thank you, Microsoft for making this possible. Um, I'm so, I'm sorry, Microsoft. Please don't please don't kill me. Um, uh, there was a financial guide. Yep, Bob, checkbook, uh-huh. um, which was
0: also compatible with Microsoft's uh, Money software.
5: Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, that calendar that Jonathan mentioned, an mm-hmm. address book. You could sign up for a Bob email
0: account. I totally wish I had one of those.
5: This this was a it was an extra charge at the time, and, and went only through a proprietary email client. You couldn't just sign up any email client that you wanted yeah. to through the system. Still one. Um, and then Geo Safari, the, Sorry, I, the, the the game. Yeah, it was a little game with a and, and well, educational. There were a couple game. of
0: there were a couple of uh, of little assistants that would pop up for specific programs and one of them was a little elephant guy who would pop up in Geo Safari so while you're playing the game this little elephant dude shows up and asks you questions about uh various areas or even not just geography but also animals so uh i actually watched a video of uh, this demonstrated where a person was playing it and it gave you pairs of animals and explained their relationship to each other so shark and fish would be predator and prey okay uh and then a Oh, what was the one, like a shark and a lamprey would be a partner, animal partnership, so a symbiotic relationship. And then like a deer and a tick, which would be a parasite. Parasitic relationship, and then what it would do is it would show you two animals, and you had to figure out which of those three categories those two animals would would fall into. That that pair would fall into. So that was an example of that Geo Safari game. But most of the game, from what I understand, was really more of geography than uh, than biology. But
5: right. Right.
0: Anyway. Uh, so that was one of those little assistants that would pop up for a specific instance but there were other assistants as well right
5: yeah um we had i've got a whole list here okay. we've got Blythe the firefly hopper the bunny orby the globe ruby uh it was it was basically an angry bird yeah a parrot. before before angry birds were a yeah. thing um uh Shelly the turtle speaker the 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 speaker. It, it was a little, a little icon of a, of a, like a noise-making uh, yeah. computer speaker. Gotcha. Um, Chaos the cat, Java the dinosaur, I think.
0: Scuzz the rat.
5: Scuzz the mouse. It was a mouse, not a rat. Uh, hey, nods as good
0: as a wink to a blind bat.
5: <laughs> Digger the worm, um, and William Shakespeare are the ones. Uh, you forgot the most important one. <laughs> what well, is the two, most important Two important ones.
0: There's the dot. The dot. Yeah, it was a giant red dot. Okay. With a big smiley face. But the most important one was Baudelaire, <laughs> the French gargoyle. <laughs> How could you leave out Baudelaire, the French gargoyle?
5: I had I had heard tell of a gargoyle, but I didn't have its name, and I didn't I didn't want to. His name was Baudelaire. Well, that he's a
0: gargoyle. He was French. Guys, Lauren and I have a lot more to say about Microsoft Bob, but before we get to that, let's take a quick break to thank our sponsor.
4: as important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner.
0: Jean. Eugene Fodor. Jean, was it?
4: Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you
0: ride the books, Jean. Vlastor on the business. I understand now Each of these assistants had its own kind of uh, personality, in a way, in the sense that it would. Some of them would be a little more active than others. Mm -hmm. Some would uh, would be faster to jump in and offer suggestions than others.
5: Mm -hmm. Apparently, Scuzzy the mouse was really apathetic.
0: (laughs) Just. He just didn't care. Yeah. B- Baudelaire was supposedly very quiet unless you specifically clicked on Baudelaire to, uh, to get some help. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them were a little more proactive, right? And, and um, they
5: all had different different words that they would use. They had a different vocabulary. Um, yeah. For example, one of the words that Rover really liked using was scrumptious, as yeah. as in I'm just one of a scrumptious gang of personal guides here to help you find your way in the home.
3: Mmm,
0: dog. <laughs> Uh, Blythe would, uh, say oi a lot. That's, I'm not joking. That's <laughs> like, wonderful. Oi, <"Oy>, back off. <laughs> like that All kind right. of things. Yeah. Uh, I, cause I read up on these. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, the, if you, if this sounds to you like this would be even more obnoxious than Clippy, you're pretty much on the right track.
5: And that, that, um, that is the feedback, in fact, that many people, well, I mean, obviously Clippy didn't exist yet as a, as a point of reference, but right. yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, you, <laughs> you have that
0: personal assistant going with you wherever. So you could actually, there was one choice. There was invisible. Right. And invisible was essentially no personal assistant. Mm-hmm. You could still get help if you really needed it, but you didn't have that, that little animated character who was almost always in the lower right hand corner of your screen. Uh, and, and these were characters that also, like, if, if you were idle for an extended time, uh, characters like, uh, like Rover or Chaos would go to sleep. And, um, yeah, and occasionally they would interact with other stuff in the room to kind of be amusing, but I think it, I, I would have considered it distracting personally. But
5: Absolutely, I agree. Uh
0: and then, uh, yeah, it also had a, some. I thought it was nice that, that Bob came with some productivity software like Letter Writer, in the sense that you didn't already have to go out and buy other software suites. Mm-hmm. You could do some basic computing stuff mm-hmm. in Bob. It's uh, it's unfortunate that most of the navigation looked pretty complex. Actually, it would co- it would pull up these these dialog windows with lots of different choices.
5: Yeah, I mean, I mean, like RPG level choices. I mean, like like seven different choices on yeah. all these menus.
0: Right. So you see, you know, in basic menu design. You want to try and keep it as simple as possible. Uh, but some of these menus had seven or more choices on them, and, and not all of them were uh, intuitive. Like you couldn't really be – like one of them might be change something. Like Well, that's not specific at all. What does that mean? And if you clicked on it, it would allow you to do things like change the the view of the room, so whatever is in the win- – whatever is appearing in the window, or change which programs are there, or, or, or move to a different room. Um, you could add doorways. You could add rooms uh and uh you you might think this uh this this program probably didn't meet with too much um uh, success or acclaim, and you'd, you'd you'd be right. You'd
5: be correct entirely. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, according to PC Data, uh, a retail research firm, only around fifty-eight thousand copies of Bob were ever sold. Yeah. Um, by contrast, a uh, nine uh, ninety-five moved like two point seven five million copies in retail the first month.
0: Yeah. So fifty-eight thousand for the almost the year that it existed, and that's it. Um, also, Microsoft uh, kind of shot itself in the foot. Uh, they distributed copies, review copies, to journalists back in December of 1994.
5: Right, uh, uh, with an embargo on reviews until... Oh, after oh,
0: CES. Only
5: until after CES, not until the product launched. Right.
0: And so at CES, Bill Gates gets up, talks about it. But at that point, the embargo lifts, which means that the journalists are allowed to write their thoughts on Microsoft Bob. And they did. And some of them were a (laughs) little critical. And how
5: they did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, There's... Yeah, one, one, one guy said that, uh, much, much of the behavior of these, of these characters that are running around helping mm-hmm. you out will be unappealing to people seriously bent on getting a lot of their PCs or to adults of any kind. Yeah. For that matter.
0: Essentially which, saying that anyone who's not a kid is gonna hate this.
5: Uh, right, and, and that, that is the thing, you know, that's, I feel like even if, if I were completely new to computers, had never used or seen one, if I had a cartoon talking to me about what I wanted to do, I... It doesn't,
0: it feels like it's a toy. It feels like it's
5: it feels like it's a toy and it feels like it's talking down to you.
0: Yeah. Um and and I mean to be fair, when Microsoft was showing off the assistance way back with Publisher, there were the response was very positive. People were saying, This is fantastic because these these programs are getting so complicated that I just don't know how to do some of the things that, you know, I occasionally need to do, but I don't do so frequently that I've memorized the path to Mm -hmm. do this. And I want this for everything. And Microsoft heard those those cries and ran with it to the point where people realized they didn't really want it for everything they wanted it for stuff that was beyond uh, an easy couple of clicks
5: right and and that's that is where a lot of the the later wizards came out of and you know I mean we still have that on computers yep. and it can still be useful um and I, I think that they were. Some of their test audiences supposedly reacted very well to it. Um, uh, according to an article in PC world um fries had uh, Karen Fryes had remembered one man's response early on um, to to a to a little duck helper quote this guy was very emotional about it. he grabbed my arm. he said, "Save all the money on the manuals and just give me this duck to always be there and tell me what to do right
0: yeah. Which, uh, again, they ran with that, and unfortunately, I think they, they took it to too far of an extreme. Also, Bob was a bit of a resource hog. Uh, right. Now, yeah. uh, keep in mind, this is 1995. Uh, in order to run it, you were uh, the suggested minimum system requirements were to have a 486 CPU. Boy, I remember those days. I actually had a 286 way back in the day.
5: You I think I had a 386?
0: Yeah. Oh, super fast. Uh, you had to have 30 megabytes of free disk space. Again, that doesn't sound like much, but it was. But no, I mean
5: uh, at the time, a 32 meg hard drive was large.
0: And uh, an eight megabytes of memory, which was about twice as much as what most of the computers in 1995, had so for the time you had to have a very powerful machine to be able to just run this.
5: User and so, interface. and so, yeah, and so you're talking someone who's who's never used computers before, but has a better one than most other people. Yeah, using they would have to go and to spend common?
0: spend a, a good amount of money. Uh, they it did come standard on one of the Gateway computers. Um, the Bob was the standard user interface for that machine. That's it also unfortunate a, for that gateway. It had a different layout too. It looked more like a barn than a house. Um beyond that, it was the same stuff.
5: I just, I just face palmed at that very idea. Yeah. That was I excellent.
0: I, I don't really have anything more to say about, about that part of it, but uh, also they, uh, there's some other, there's another legacy that Bob left us, although it's interesting. It was not actually used in Bob, but it was created for Bob, and it has lived on in infamy ever since.
5: So, something that is perhaps even more hated than Bob itself.
0: Maybe only because of it's been persistent.
5: Right. Which, we are we are talking about the font Comic Sans.
0: Yep. Comic Sans. That was a font that was designed specifically for Bob, and it wasn't used in Bob, but it was then incorporated in future Microsoft uh, releases. And and this this font has received a lot of hate. A lot of hate.
5: <laughs> well, it was it was created originally because Microsoft designer Vincent Conner saw a beta of Bob and thought that um, Times New Roman was the, was the font being used in it at the time, and he was like, "There's a disconnect between this fun, bubbly image that we're presenting and, and this, very, this formal, very terse, formal font." Yeah. And so, let's make
0: something that looks like it came straight out of a comic book, and then reap in the rewards and accolades. For generations to come. You know what? I don't hate Comic Sans. I'll come out and say it. I don't particularly love it, but I don't hate it. I know people, though, who have a violent reaction to I, Comic Sans. I, I
5: hate it in business emails. I, yeah,
0: no, I, yes. If I get a business email from someone that's in Comic Sans, it's hard to take that email seriously. It is. You know? If, if it starts off with "Hey bozo," I'll go ahead and read it though, because then I'm like, "All right, now you're on, now you're speaking my language. I got you. Now we're on the same page." This is some sort of weird, ironic, sarcastic email, and now I need to know what it says.
5: I I don't know. I don't think I don't think I want to become the kind of hipster who uses Comic Sans on on purpose in an ironic way. Yeah. No.
0: Yeah, you don't want your emails to have a giant mustache. No, I do not. That's fair. All right. So, um, do you have anything else you want to say about Bob before we? Wrap it up.
5: I think, I think that is the complete breadth and depth that of I have the Bob story. of the Bob story. It's,
0: it's, it's funny that we were even able to, to do an episode on this. When I first thought about it, I was thinking, am I really going to be able to talk about a product that only was out on the market for less than a year? So it turns out, yes, we were, um, because there was a lot to, uh, there, there were a lot of good ideas that went into the development of Bob. They just didn't get implemented in a way that was really useful.
5: Actually, I do have one more story. I'm sorry. I completely lied a second ago. Oh, About about the legacy of Bob, according to Raymond Chen for TechNet Magazine. um,
0: I know this story.
5: When when Windows XP came out, um, it, it came out on CD. And uh, there were maybe about 30 megabytes of capacity left over on the CD.
0: Right. So, and so 30 megabytes of free space. A
5: free space, sure. And they wanted to fill that up with some encrypted data that would be checked by the setup program as part of the installation and verification process. Right. Um, just, just to you know make make it a little bit more difficult for pirates to download it. Right. By by adding 30 megabytes to the to the uh,
0: size of the file, you would increase the download time significantly. Because remember, this is back in 95. This is not broadband time. We're talking about using a dial-up modem. Mm-hmm. So if you're using a dial-up modem to try and pirate software, 30 megabytes might be the difference between, well, uh, so I'll was, go ahead and do it yeah. or no, I'm not going to do it.
5: <laughs> um, but so, but so in, instead of putting just random gobbledygook into that extra 30 megs, he, um, uh, who, whoever was doing it, I'm not sure uh, if it was a, if, if it could have, it could have been a brave woman in our, in our technical industry, mm-hmm. um, uh, used, used the entirety of Bob. And that
0: concludes this classic episode of Tech Stuff. I hope you guys enjoyed revisiting this old topic. Uh, Hopefully we'll never see the likes of Microsoft Bob again. But if you have any suggestions for future episodes, let me know. Send me an email. The address for the show is techstuff at howstuffworks.com or drop me a line on Facebook or Twitter. The handle at both of those is techstuffhsw. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, people. You're missing out on amazing content.
3: And I'll talk to you again really soon.
0: That's concur.com.
4: We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you.
1: It's brand new season two.